Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, September 2nd, 2016. And today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in the chapter, Working with Others. We will be on page 96 and 97. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Amy E., The Twelve Traditions, Naomi B., and Amy G., Nadia B., Katie G. are our text readers, and our newcomer greeter today is Janice M. And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 1st of September, is 9043. 9043. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Amy E. if she will read the 12 steps for us, please. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. Amy E. in Ohio, happy to be of service today. The 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And I will now ask Naomi B. if she'll read the 12 traditions for us, please. 
Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B. Grateful, Recovered Compulsive Overeater outside Philadelphia. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to serve those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others. We are on page 96, the last paragraph. And we will be reading two paragraphs. The last one on 96 will be for context only, and the first one on 97 will be for comments. And I will ask Amy G. to please read for us. Good morning, Monica. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Grateful to be here. Thanks for your service. He may be broken homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. But you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure to use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family 
and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connection, or shelter. Permit that, and you only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than recovery. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day, if need be. It may mean a loss of many nights' sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day of night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you will have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time, you may have to send to the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you will have to meet such conditions. Wow. You know, we're in the chapter working with others. And there's a lot of specific instructions in here about carrying the message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater and, and really how important it is. It talks about it in the beginning of the chapter that nothing ensures immunity from my own eating than working with others, but also that I have the ability to carry a message of depth and weight that can help when no one else can. And I can secure their confidence of a newcomer when others fail and how important it is. And it makes it very clear in this second paragraph, focusing on the second paragraph, that helping others is a foundation stone of your recovery. You know, if I'm building a house, I have to put a foundation in. I can't build it without it. And it's very clear in this paragraph that, one, I never avoid the responsibility, and two, that it's a foundation stone, meaning that, in my humble opinion, sponsorship and carrying the message, if I want to stay recovered, is a non-negotiable. I must carry the message if I want to keep the program that I have and I want the promises that is given in this book. I need to be able to carry the message. And I know as a maybe a new recovered sponsor out there on the line or for, for many, it's very daunting or even scary. I mean, the last few paragraphs, it talks about the impact we can have, about we can aid in their destruction rather than in their recovery and that we shouldn't be enabling them. And they've given wonderful instructions on how we can try to discern between which is enabling and which is carrying the message and how to understand when the, when the newcomer is truly willing or not and how we can ask our recovered network for help as sponsors that we don't go it alone. But the bottom line is that we don't avoid these responsibilities. It is my responsibility as a recovered person. I take it very seriously. It's an honor and a privilege and a responsibility to be on the firing line of life, to be able to sponsor and carry this message of recovery, the message that has the ability to save lives. This book and its instructions save lives. And I want to be a vehicle of that. And they say it's a you have to be the good Samaritan every day. And for me, what that means is it says earlier in the book that our recovery is contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. I live it every day to stay spiritually fit. And carrying the message is one of the integral parts of keeping spiritually fit. By being the good Samaritan, they're talking about being ready and available at a meeting on the phone to be able to carry this message, these instructions. 
and they offer all these numbers of different examples. And, and you know, we, we, we mentioned a couple yesterday in the last couple of days that are specific to OA. You know, I can sponsor someone and I can do many different things and working them through the steps, but I can also do things like I can make phone calls to newcomers. I can give someone a ride to an over-years anonymous meeting. I can go to the grocery store with them and help them get absolute food. I can do food prep. I can go to their house. I've done this a number of times and help people get rid of their binge foods out of their house and throw them away, take them away. I have a friend who is a wonderful recovered single person that is always saying, if you're going to pick up the phone in the middle of the night, call me. I've gotten my fair share of jangles of phone calls in the middle of the night. Going with a sponsee to a new first-time event, for example, with extended family that they're worried about whether or not, like going with them on Thanksgiving, going with them to a holiday party for work. I mean, there's so many things that we can do as long as we know that we're not enabling but we're trying to help. And then we have the rest of our recovered network to help us do that. And then they also say here to the newcomer on the Time. line, if you – okay, and I'll wrap up by saying – this whole chapter is dedicated to sponsorship. What are they telling us? They're telling us that if you want the promises that this program has to offer, get a sponsor. That's how this program works. We get a sponsor and we take instruction and we work the steps. This program changes lives. This book saves lives. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And now I'm going to open it up. Who would like to share on, par- on the second paragraph or the first paragraph on page 97? Can I share? Larry, R. Larry, Larry, Nessa. Okay, I heard Bella, Larry, Nessa. Julie R. Julie. Okay. Tina. Tina. All right. Okay, we'll go with that to start with. Bella G, Larry K, Nessa, Julie R, Tina S. Bella G, you're up. And there's Thanks. somebody, please, everybody, please mute your lines if you're not Bella. There's a lot of background noise. Thank you. Go ahead, Bella. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing the service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. No, it isn't, because... It's a reminder also for myself as a sponsor that, yes, I am not perfect and I will never be perfect. I am human and all of us are human. And, yes, I have my character defect. And it doesn't mean that if I am recovery and if I know already the solution and if I am working the 12 steps every day, 24-7, it means that I don't have character defects and I don't have to work on them. No, it's a reminder that, yes, I have the solution. Thank you, God. Yes, I know that. Thank you, God. I am, by working the steps and by doing the steps one day at a time, yes, I am building my connection to my higher power and I am not connecting anymore to my ego. And this by working with others, you know, you know, it's helping me to remind to to that I shouldn't forget from where I am coming and what is my goal. And you know, it's a reminder that I am not perfect. And you know, by sharing 
my experience, strength, and hope. It's also helping me as a sponsor and the sponsees to understand that, you know, I am not a higher power and I have my character defect. And yes, I did mistakes and I am doing mistakes. And thank you, God, I have the way how to, you know, to fix them, how to change my behaviors. And how I change my behaviors by giving me the opportunity to learn, to learn from everybody. So, and all the time I have opportunities to learn. So it's not enough once in a while. Thank you, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. And Larry Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Nessa. Hi, Monica. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, okay, so helping others is the foundation stone of our recovery. Kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day. You know, it's, it's not always easy uh, helping others, uh, particularly others who, who may be severely, severely afflicted with this disease of self, as I was. I only thought it was food that was my issue. Um, it wasn't easy working for me, working with me, I should say. I mean, I, I was needy. There's no doubt. I, I, I often wanted to sponsor myself. Um, I, I believe that I was very quick to find fault with my sponsor, uh, my sponsors, who they were volunteering, uh, they were volunteering their time to be helpful to me. Um, it's not easy working with a guy like me who who was, you know, could be gushingly kind and respectful one moment and dishonest and very absent the next moment. You know, so so why even work intensely with the suffering compulsive overeater? Uh, they also may trigger you. You know, uh, uh, sometimes it's like looking in the mirror, right? You know, I, I don't want to see that painful reflection from the past. You know, I'm, I'm not in the mood right now to gaze even for a moment at the car wreck. <laughs> it's too painful to witness the devastation, you know, maybe, or maybe I'll catch, catch what they have again. You know, I don't want to go back there. But you see, I, I carry this message of recovery because it's the very foundation of my recovery. There is no more important aspect of my recovery today than carrying the message. You know, it allows me to stay on this beam of recovery. It's not, uh, it may be insurance in a certain sense, but I don't, I, I don't know, I don't feel as though, you know, uh, any fear of, uh, you know, of, of carrying the message where I'm not carrying it good enough, where I'm not uh, carrying it to enough people. There's not that. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure to carry the message today. And yet recognizing that, you know, I'm, I'm one person, you're just one person with this book in your hand. Thank goodness it's not, there's no gurus. There's no special people in this program. There's just not. And I didn't understand that. I understand that better today, that it is these people that were so loving and, and kind, many of them who carried the message to me, they were doing it because, you know, hopefully they understood it was the very foundation stone of their recovery. And uh, it's a critical message, critical message that someone carried to me that had me turn to this very paragraph. They knew it. It just you know, turned to this paragraph when I was feeling a little, uh, a little sorry for myself in, in carrying this message and not getting anywhere, perhaps. Grateful for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Nessa, you're up, and then it'll be Julie R. Hi, good morning. Wishing for you. My name is Nessa R. <coughs> 
and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Whenever I read this paragraph, I am in awe, in absolute awe, at the lengths to which they went to carry this message, um, these pioneer alcoholics. And, and I'm pretty sure that um, even now, they still go to these lengths, going to prisons and, and asylums and hospitals, phone calls at um, all times of day and night, you know, uh, violent drunks in their homes, etc. I'm sure that that still happens. And I have never, as a compulsive overeater, been called to go to this length at all, and I doubt that I ever will. So um, does that mean that I don't have a responsibility to carry the message? I do. Um, I do, and my responsibility to carry the message goes beyond working with sponsees. Um, you know, it is my responsibility to um, start, start, start meetings that become strong, go to weak meetings um, to carry the message, you know, because the strong meetings don't need me to carry the message. They already have the message. They already know the message. They're probably living the message. It is the weak meetings where people are struggling with, with, with abstinence, where they're struggling to uh, attain this so-called um, fat serenity, where they don't know about the steps, where they don't even know about the allergy or the body, the obsession of the mind. Those are the meetings that need me. Um, another thing that I can do is return phone calls of anybody and everybody who reaches out. And, you know, so many times when I speak to people who call me, they said, oh, I've called so many people and you are the first one who has called me back or the first one who has answered the phone. And I've had that experience myself too when I, when I reach out to people and I don't get them um, and they never call back. And, you know, that, that leaves a very bad taste in the mouth of a newcomer or somebody who's struggling. Like, you know, when we come into these rooms, um, at least when I came into these rooms, I feel worthless, like nobody cares. And when, they, when, when we reach out, when the newcomer reaches out, the struggling people reach out and nobody responds, it only reinforces um, that, that, that belief. So I think it behooves us to return phone calls. And yes, you know, it, sometimes it is onerous to be on the phone 24-7. It interferes with the family. It interferes with work. Uh, and we do have to set some healthy boundaries, but the boundary uh, is not, uh, I'm not going to call anybody back, you know, or I'm only going to answer when, when I can and, and leave it at that. I mean, we've got to go beyond our comfort zone. We've got to do the utmost we can to reach as many people as we can, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Julie R., you're up, and then it'll be Tina S. Hi, this is Julie R. from California in Boston. You know, the first word is um, never. Never avoid these responsibilities. It doesn't say sometimes or maybe if you're in the mood. It's my right and it's a privilege for me to go ahead and help others. And again, the foundation stone, we've all talked about that hundreds of times. What is that foundation stone? If I don't have it, everything is going to crumble. And that means, first of all, my emotional sobriety is going to go out the window and it's going to affect everybody around me and then I'm going to be face down in the food. And in lying, dishonesty, all that. So, and it says I can't do it every once in a while. I I answer the phone as much as I can. I got eight calls last night after I went to bed. 
I'll call them throughout the day because it's, you know, they're waiting for something. And it might just be a clarification. It could have been a food change. It could have been whatever. And, yeah, I have to set boundaries when I'm when I travel all the time and I don't get home until Thursday night. So I try to do my sponsee call before I get home so I can see my husband and my kids. But when I see somebody call me in the middle of the night that's one of my sponsees and I have them where they can come through, I'll pick up the phone. They're not calling me to chat. They're calling me because something is going on enough for them to, you know, call me in the middle of the night. And how do I be of service to my um, healthcare professionals? They have my phone number. When they have morbid, obese patients that want the bariatric surgery, they give them my phone number. Both my doctors do. I mean, what a privilege is that? And, you know, there's been a couple people that have chosen not to do the surgery and go to local meetings. I mean, it's not me. It's God. It's God. We have got to go out there and share what we have been freely given. And it's not something that I can pick and choose. Oh, I don't want to sponsor today. Oh, I don't want to be of service. I don't want to go, you know, and it's not just service in a way. It's service in our lives. The day that I say, I don't want to pick up that phone, I better check my uh, 11-step review. So it's a gift, a right, and if I don't do it, I'm a goner. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Tina S., you're up. Thanks, Monica, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater in uh, Florida. Well, some great stuff this morning. You know, like, never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. You know, and I'm so grateful that I had uh, the opportunity and the experience of having a sponsorship uh, prior to, 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 to set the example for me, you know. Uh, and when I got here, I just have to be honest, I was certainly not wanting to help anyone else. That's just the truth. And sometimes today I'm still in that same frame of mind. I don't want to help somebody else. You know, but I've got to do this to save myself. You know, if that's the last reason I'm doing it today, and that's okay today. Because what I've found that over time, I really want to do this stuff. You know, I want to give away what I've got. I want other people to enjoy, you know, that happy, joyous, and free life of one day at a time, not being obsessed by this compulsive disease of eating and the behaviors that come along with it, the isolation, all the stuff that I get if I'm living in my disease because I've been free of that for a period of time that is just phenomenal for me. You know, and one of the things that I also know is that, you know, I don't do this thing, you know. Um, God does it for me. He, he presents every opportunity today. And, you know, I, I'm just willing to suit up and show up. You know, and you know, and, and I love what was shared. You know, we don't do a lot of this stuff today. That was done a long time ago in the, in the 30s and 40s. And but what I can do is, is I can be available. You know, and if I'm not, for many people, I need to let them know I'm not available because I'd be paying a disservice if I if I'm, I'm taking on the position of sponsorship, but I'm not available available for these people because I also love what was shared that you know they're not calling me just to chat. You know, they really are wanting something, and um. You know, and with that, I passed. I've been giving my life beyond my wildest dreams, so thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Lois M. Lois. Melissa C. Melissa. Allison C. Allison. Paula Barbara D. B. Paula. Barbara B. Barbara. Leah M. Leah. Okay, this is what I've got. 
Lois M, Melissa C, Allison C, Paula D, Barbara D, Leah M. So Lois, you're up, and then it'll be Melissa. Hi, good morning, Monica. Nice to hear your voice. This is Lois M in Massachusetts, and um, I'm very, um, very, very honored to be sharing on this on this topic today. You know, this is my favorite. Um, Part of the book, but one of one of the things that jumps right into my mind is um, Abby. You know, Abby, Abby coming to visit Bill, and um, supposing you know Abby didn't want to go that day, and um, where you know I wonder what would have happened to uh, our our fellowship. And I, I had an Abby, you know, who when I was struggling and I was, you know, full of the torture of the mental part of this disease, and um, I just couldn't go on anymore. And I had an Ebby in my life, for which I'm very, very grateful. And I, I always remember that, that, you know, I want to be able to be an Ebby to people. I, they, they, um, I need to do that, but I also want to do that. And for me, you know, if I, if I felt, and many times I have, I felt like um, I, I didn't know what to do. Uh, how, how could I help this person? It's a little more um, complicated than the usual. Well, I always say that when I was, in, in Bill's, Bill's shoes, and Ebby uh, was sitting with me at the kitchen table. The, the only thing I really needed, I don't know about Bill, but I needed, I needed somebody who could give me hope because I had been, you know, at the end of the rope for me. It was the end of the, the last house on the road. And so well, I always try to remember that, that, you know, the, the best thing that I can give someone is hope. And, and I certainly do, can do that because I've walked this walk as well. So, you know, if you're new and you're wondering whether you, you're, you're, you have, it, have it in you to sponsor, you know, we need to just reach out and tell our story and show others that, you know, we, we can recover and so can they. And, uh, and to just keep coming and persevere. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois Ann. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Allison C., Hi, good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, you know, we never avoid these responsibilities, but um, make sure we're doing the right thing once we assume them. And that helping others is the foundation stone of my recovery. It's where it all begins. You know, I must sponsor. You know, it's not an option. Um, and it's not something I can do only when it's convenient. You know, it means that um, when someone calls me and they're looking for help, um, you know, sometimes my reaction is to say, I have a lot of people I'm working with. I don't know that I can. Um, but I have to really um, reexamine, you know, wh- what my charge is. And um, this is not about being convenient. You know, my um, my compulsion to food, the way that I ate, there was nothing convenient about it. And my recovery can't just be be convenient either. It can't fit neatly into my life. You know, I needed to create an entirely new life where this is the foundation of it. Because if I don't do this, I don't have any life, you know. Um, I think about the mess compulsive eaters make, you know, and that it's quite different from the mess the alcoholics make. Um, You know, the havoc the eater causes in my experience, is complaining and blaming others or, um, you know, making things into big issues. Um, 
that might not be, you know, or um, or havoc is isolating and returning to the food. You know, I haven't really experienced people that are smashing furniture um, or needing me to break up a fight. Um, what I do get is people who are back in the food or who get crazy over bathing suit shopping. You know, they get hysterical or um, experience a flood of emotions after getting on the scale and not seeing the weight loss that they were believing they were due. Um, you know, and um, so to me, this is such a contrast between the need to drop someone, you know, which we had just been talking about before. You know, surely, can't we drop someone who's carrying that and carrying on and causing such a mess? And, you know, how do we determine who's worthy of being dropped and um, who's worthy of us... Um, you know, getting in there and getting dirty with. And, um, you know, so it just tells me that in all things, I have to turn to my higher power. When I'm looking to help people, I need to really um, ask God to direct me. I cannot be the Savior, um, but I have to put out that hand of love and friendship. And, you know, one of the things that really was so different about this meeting than, than other meetings was the number of people who actually make phone calls, who actually call one another, um, was very different and continues to be different. And um, and that's been a lifeline for me. Thank you with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Allison C., it's your turn, and then Paula D. Hi, this is Allison C., recovered in Northwest Jersey. Um, wow, so many things are coming up, and everybody's shares um, are just getting my gears turning in my head. And um, what I wanted to say was that um, I was so afraid to help other people. I I didn't know that I had anything to offer. And then, you know, I started sponsoring people, and it was like, you know, they were telling me, oh, that was so helpful. And I was just like, I don't even know where these words came from. They just kind of, you know, they must have been, God just put the thought in my head, and and I had to share it with this person. And, um, you know, and, and that's what carrying the message is. And, you know, I encourage people that I talk to, even if you're in step four and you're not at the point where you're recovered yet, you can still work with other people. You can still help other people. You can call the newcomer. You can tell them about your experience. You can tell them about your story. You can tell them how you put the food down and how you are working the steps and how you are experiencing, you know, the spiritual experience. And, um, you know, I just remember how stubborn I was uh, to accept a food plan and to start working the steps and to do what somebody else uh, was telling me to do. And, um, you know, so I get that. And, and, you know, the other day we were talking about, like, dropping people. And, you know, working with others is not easy. And just like somebody had said, you know, we all live busy lives. I have, you know, I have two jobs. You know, last night I had left the house at 8. I didn't get home till like 10.30. But, but I still talked to about like three people from OA. Um, you know, and I, it's so funny because when I was in the food, I never had time to do anything. I just never had time. And people would ask me to do things. And I always said I never had time. And I just think it's God. You know, he's giving me an opportunity to do all the things in my life that I love doing. And you know, I have a second job and I'm able to earn extra money. And, um, you know, I'm starting a third yoga teacher training in uh, October in the city. And it's 
it's it's a lot for me to to be commuting into the city from where I live, but God is just like opening these doors for me, and um, I have three sponsees, which is more than I thought I would ever do, but um, I have the time to do it, and and God has uh, given me, you know, my higher power has given me everything that I need today, and it's so funny because people are like, when do you have time to relax, and you know what? I do. Tonight is like a Netflix and pajamas night, and um, like I said, I used to never have any time, and now I have all the time in the world, and I used to fear money and and all this stuff and now I just have everything that I need and it's so beautiful and it's just so amazing that I can share that with people and help them get to the place where I am today and I just never ever thought that that's where I'd be today um life beyond my wildest dreams it's coming true every single day thank you everyone for walking this path with me Allison C New Jersey have a great day bye Thank you, Allison C. And Paula D., you're up, and then it'll be Barbara D. Good morning, Monica, and thank you for your service this morning. And this would be Paula D., currently in New Hampshire, recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, as we come into this paragraph, oh, I, and I do, I love this paragraph, but now I understand the depth of its meaning. Before it was oh, nice words. Look, act the good Samaritan every day, if need be. My goodness, didn't my ego take a trip on that one? Then you finally saw. You finally saw that you first were the broken person. You were the broken person on the roadway. Once you see that, then you see again the good Samaritan that walked that path and came out of its normal day came out of walking and living their own little life, and they stopped. See, it's in the stopping that you finally see who you were. They're that crushed body. But you know what it says, and, and as I was reading, yeah, I see the differences. I see the differences, but I still see the sameness. Broken, hopeless, wounded, oh, not in the physical realm, or perhaps even there too. But when we see this totally and completely and we see helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery, this is not a selfish thing. You put that foundation stone in place, then you can reach out. You know, we have that page, and I'm just going to, it runs parallel here, and it's on 153. You will be bound to them in a new and wonderful ties, but you will escape disaster together. And you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. You see, when that man is healed and when he goes and does it, this is what was passed along in 1939 and continues to be passed along today. Then you will know what it means to give of yourself. And look at what it says here, how this runs parallel, that others may survive and rediscover life, as you did. And then it says you will learn the full meaning. And here you learn the full meaning, too, of the Good Samaritan every day, of love thy neighbor as thyself. You love yourself enough to give away what you have, and strangers enough, they receive and you receive. And that's the parable that we read here. Now here, too, and there is, a, I think, a carefulness here 
that you have to. It may mean the loss, and it does. It means the loss of time. But what is given back, and what was that time spent with and for? That's what I started. The more I minimize things, and sometimes life changes. Life changes, and you say, oh, well, I can't give service in this direction. You can always give service, whether it be for a 95-year-old mother, maybe you be for an 18-month-old great-grandson. Always service given always needs there to be aware and to walk this path. This is what it does. It broadens your life to something you never expected. But then I want to read here. And it just seems to... Oh, is my time... I think my time may be up. I'm sorry. Did I hear time? Yes. Thank you, Monica. Then with that, I will pass, knowing how precious time is. And thank you for the time given. Thank you, Paula D. Barbara D., you're up, and then it'll be Leah M. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. I'm looking at never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them, Uh, referring to the previous paragraph. Well, it's taking me back this morning to that question of doing the right thing. And early in recovery, I was so on fire with what I was reading here and had such a vision of saving the world. Talk about thinking I was going to be the Good Samaritan every day. I I really was into I'm going to be the Savior. And, you know, it was told to me as I look back at the mistakes that I made, the only real mistake is one from which I learned nothing, and I learned so much from those mistakes. And it's embarrassing even to admit them, but I'm I'm calling it uh, what it was. Uh, I can remember a sponsee that I had who, um, you know, didn't have a job, and she was trying to finish a degree to get a job. And so here, she didn't have a typewriter. I said, take my typewriter. I can get a new one. I mean, talk about excess and uh, talk about enabling. And then once she got a job, uh, she didn't have a car to get to the job. And my car was old. I said, here, take my car. I mean, it sounds absurd. But that's where I was. I was so, like, crazy on fire with them, thinking I was, you know, doing what the big book was saying. Well, as it says in the previous paragraph, you may be aiding in his or her destruction rather than recovery. So it really got off the base, and it got off the base of the way of life of responsibility and the experience of the 12 steps, and it got into being a savior. So I have to remember now uh, in my life and my program life and life in general to get out of the way so God can do the work. Because if I'm trying to be God, there's no room for God. Uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. <laughs> and Leah M., you're up. Thank you so much. Appreciate your service. Um, your wife may sometimes say she's neglected. You know, um you know, carrying the message and working with others definitely is time-consuming, and uh, although it is a joy, and certainly, uh, you know, the big book teaches us we have recovered and been given the power to help other people, and that's a tremendous obligation. Of course, it's also a tremendous pleasure, and it is inconvenient. Uh, That's true, but, you know, 
in those times, you know, I always remember that being driven uh, by the merciless obsession was not convenient either. You know, uh, spending time in a in a car in a dark parking lot, binging my brains out until my eyeballs hurt, uh, wasn't convenient either. So, you know, I keep that in mind that this service to others, this sacrifice of ourself is sacred work. It heals others and at the same time it heals us, you know, so it is a pleasure. Um, it has been a juggle, you know, uh, but it's a necessity because we can do the steps from 1 through 11, but if we don't get active and carry the message, we will die. It's that simple. That was taught to me from the very beginning. It was modeled to me uh, through the AA culture, and it's something that I have to live today. And even though we have to carry the message, it turns out that carrying the message and working with people uh, becomes for us one of the most significant things that we do. I mean, it has been life-changing, and there have been many wonderful beautiful, incredible events in my life. Uh, giving birth to 12 children is one of them. Uh, having a marriage that has developed uh, over the years is another. Uh, but in, in this realm, you know, I know I'm giving of myself without hope of reward or gain, and it's the giving that is important, not how well something may be received, actually. So, you know, the big book teaches me that I have this daily reprieve. Yes, I have freedom from bondage of self. Yes, I have freedom from bondage of food, but that's a daily reprieve. I have to continue to clean house. Of course, that relates to step 10. I have to continue to trust in God, and that relates to step 11, and I have to continue to help others. That's my job. Uh, And that's step 12. You know, I often think, and sometimes my husband will chide me, the amount of energy and time that gets put into carrying the message and helping others, I probably could have gone to medical school. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It is a tremendous amount of time, tremendous amount of time. But that's the great paradox of this program, that we can seldom keep the precious gift of recovery unless we give it away. So for us, for me personally, if I neglect those who are still sick, who I am working with throughout the days and weeks and months and years and decades, there is danger to my own life and my own sanity. So it's under, I'm wrapping up, under that self-preservation of duty and love. Uh, That's our high mission is to carry this message. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And is there anybody else that wants to share on this or we're going to move on? Janana. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think I heard a Janice. Is that correct? Yes, Monica, you did. Renata. Okay, Janice. Renata. Ju- okay. Judy F. Judy F. Uh, wait a minute. Renee? Yes. C. Renee. Renee. <laughs> okay. Nadia. All right. Nadia. Okay. Anybody else? Okay, this is what I've got. And if I've not gotten you there, let me know. Janice M. Renata. Judy F. Uh, Renee C. and Nadia B. Okay, Janice M., you're up, and then Renata. Well, thank you, Monica T. Yes, everybody, everyone, good morning. My name is Janice M., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, you know, this, this, is, uh, this, is what we're, this is what my purpose is in life. This is why I got the gift. Um, you know, this is not an option. You know why it's not an option is because the big book teaches me that my root 
The root of my problem, not the food, the root, is selfishness and self-centeredness. Now, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but I had three sponsees that, you know, were recovered and, and they were they were here all the time. They took all the information and, and it came to step 12 and they didn't want to sponsor with the excuses. They didn't have the time. They didn't feel that they were qualified enough. But isn't it funny how we're here to get all the information and when it's time for us to give, we're here to take but when it's time for us to give, oh, nope, can't do that. Well, however, the result is I don't hear them on the line anymore, nor do they call or whatever. But anyway, um, you know, uh, the thing is, yeah, time is going to be unbalanced. You know, it's going to be unbalanced. But, but it was unbalanced when I was eating. <laughs> I was gambling. I was shopping. I was spending money. Sometimes I didn't come home for dinner to have it ready. And, you know, they say, well, you know what, my husband, I have to give time to my husband. Well, let me tell you something about my husband. I neglected my husband a lot when I was in disease. I neglected him more. So, you know, it's, it's, it's ironic when we have to give and become selfless. We can't do it. Yeah. It's, you know, do I make my doctor's appointments, my hair appointments, my nail appointments? I make it after. After I sponsor, that's not difficult. You know, we can do it. Because why? Because my gratitude is, is the actions that I go to help other people. That's my purpose in life. And I am grateful. And that's what it is. It's grateful is, uh, to, be grat- to be grateful for me is to show action for others. You know, they were there for me. They gave their time for me. And, of course, what if my high... I often think, what if he didn't have time for me? What if he said, well, not today. I'm not going to give you breath today. But, you know, wait till I have the time, you know. But, but my higher power has the time or every, every breath that I take for me. So that's the gratitude that I have for this uh, gift that has been given to me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. And Renata G., you're up, and then it'll be Judy F., Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader. Very grateful to be on the line calling from New York today. Helping others is the foundation stone of of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. And I know we're in step 12, you know, um, carrying the message, but I want to take a little bit different approach here uh you know i've been all over the place lately and so at times it's really hard to connect over the phone and carry the message that way but what keeps coming up for me is you know like in, in page 19 it says a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before of us in our respective homes occupations and affairs you know carrying the message can also be you know, am I practicing the principles I'm learning through these 12 steps everywhere I go? You know, and, you know, like Janice said, the, 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 the root of my problem is the selfishness and self-centeredness. And so for me today, as long as I'm focusing on how can I be of service, how can I help others, regardless of where I am or how, you know, that's going to look like, then, you know, that keeps me safe from going back to the food because 
what drives me to the food is, you know, just thinking about myself and wanting things to go my way, you know, trying to figure what can I get out of life. And uh, so, you know, I can carry the message by being the message, by practicing the principles, by being honest, by being, you know, faithful, having hope, having courage, right? Like really practicing the steps every day. And um, I forgot what I want to say about this. In, uh, in regards to carrying the message through sponsoring, you know, the book says that I can be uniquely useful because I'm also a compulsive eater, right? I can help people that normal eaters cannot. But today for me, it's really strong, this idea that I have to be of service to people wherever I am. It doesn't matter if it's in program or out of program. I have to get out of self. My life depends on that. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. And I'm afraid we're only going to have time for Judy F. here uh, because we're running out of time. Judy F., please. Go ahead. Good morning, Monica. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you for your service, Monica. Good morning, visionaries. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. Well, I have experience with this. My, um, when I met my husband, I was four years abstinent. When we got married, I was uh, six years, you know, abstinent and recovered. And, and in his mind, he thought, okay, now you're married, so you don't need this extra support. And um, it was a lot of problems uh, in the beginning of our marriage for a lot um, because he never knew me in disease. Uh, he saw me as a recovered uh, successful, uh, you know, even-keeled uh, woman and didn't think, uh, you know, didn't understand, you know, why and didn't understand this disease and, you know, he didn't need to. And I, I did need to ask for a lot of help in discerning, you know, um, having a balance but, you know, really putting this program first. This recovery needed to be first for me because anything I put before recovery uh, I'll lose, and and I knew that because I have a deadly disease, and um and I had hit a bottom, and and I know I knew where I could go back, and it's worked its way out. It did take time, and I had to discern program activities versus sponsoring and really helping people. And um today, even the other day, I was on with a sponsee, a new sponsee, going through um, the doctor's opinion, and and he he was mad that I wasn't there, and then. I, I I had to ask for you know God's help, and then after I was done, I I went to see him, and and he said no, I I'm just jealous, you know I was just jealous, and so I can um under he doesn't need to understand that I need this, I need to understand that I need this, and I am available to him outside of when um, I'm not working with sponsors or doing my program, so that's the important thing. How am I with him in this? program, these principles, these steps enable me to be a loving, kind wife. And without it, uh, there would be no marriage. I I would be definitely, um, if not physically dead, spiritually dead and not available to him. So I need to put this first, but I also need to remember he is um, the most important person in my life. Um, God is the most important entity, and this recovery program is the most important um, principle that I work and with that 
I can have balance with God's help. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. And I want to thank everyone who shared this morning. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Katie G., can you read for us, please, a vision for you? Monica T., my source of big book is not working right now. I rely on the Internet, and I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to have to pass. Okay. Is there someone else that could read for us from page 164, please? I can do that. It's Judy. This is Paula. I can read. Okay. I heard Judy first. Go ahead, Judy, please. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.